Good Wednesday. This is 91.3 KUAF, a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. And this is Ozarks at Large for October 26th, 2022. I'm Matthew Moore. I'm Kyle Kellams. This is a day when fashion takes center stage at Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art in Bentonville to correspond with the current exhibition Fashioning America, Grit to Glamour. Some of the most recognizable names in design are at the museum today, including Tommy Hilfiger. Tracy Reese, Aurora James, Omar Salam, and Beth Ann Hardison. The exhibit remains at Crystal Bridges through January 30th. The celebration of another art form and the act of passing it from one generation to another is discussed later this hour on Ozarks. MERS sits down with KUAF's Jasper Logan to talk about how hip-hop continues to change and why he felt so compelled to take part in the mentoring sessions included with Ground Waves 2022 in Springdale that concluded this month. That conversation begins in about 10 minutes. We begin today's show, like yesterday's, with a focus on foreclosures. Foreclosure rates in Arkansas are rising, like the rest of the nation, but for the northwest Arkansas region, they are some of the lowest in the nation. Ozarks at Large's Anna Pope reports it's normal for foreclosure rates to be lower in an area experiencing growth. This is not the first or largest boom in the region's history. Well, new this morning, according to the 2020 census numbers released on Thursday, Northwest Arkansas is the fastest growing region in the state. There has been a tremendous surge of newcomers in Northwest Arkansas. Northwest Arkansas has secured the area a spot as one of the fastest growth growing. seems like it's everywhere in Northwest Arkansas. Houses are being built, newer buildings and more people are in the area. Charlie Allison, the executive editor of the University of Arkansas Relations, says in the 1940s, Fayetteville experienced an almost 110 percent jump in its population in the decade. Allison says this was because World War II ended and many went to school on the GI Bill. This presented challenges, including putting students in temporary housing, and some structures still exist along Archibald Yale Boulevard. They were temporary army barracks and hauled here and, and uh, have been rented out ever since. I can't imagine living in uh, a temporary building or a building that was designed to be temporary, you know, 50 years, what is it, 70 years later. Then in the 1950s, Fayetteville experienced a 20% population growth. Because of the circumstances, the city had a different approach to address growth issues. Back then, Fayetteville was enclosed in a tighter geographic area, so the city did not need to extend services like water farther out. Although the population grew at a faster rate in the 1940s, there are more people in the region than 70 to 80 years ago. Housing demand and prices continue to rise in northwest Arkansas, but the region and Fort Smith have some of the lowest foreclosure rates in the nation, while the rest of the state's rates increase. Rick Sharga is the executive vice president of Adam Data Solutions, an entity which gathers real estate and property data. He says considering the area's growth, this is not surprising. High growth markets usually have very low rates of foreclosure activity. Uh, you usually have uh, more demand for housing than supply. So even if a homeowner finds themselves themselves in, in short-term financial difficulty, there's usually an opportunity to sell a property rather than uh, lose it to a foreclosure. Arkansas ranks 38th in the nation in Adams' foreclosure market report. And when comparing the nation's numbers from 2020 to 2022, they are higher. Sharga says part of this is because of the government programs in place during the COVID-19 pandemic to prevent foreclosures for people whose income was impacted. So we're coming off artificially low numbers, which makes the rate of foreclosure activity look like it's gaining a lot of steam, uh, when in fact it's still lower than, than normal levels. We're still lower than historic average numbers of foreclosures across the country and certainly in Arkansas. Sharga says normal levels of foreclosure activity should return sometime in 2023, but a recession can skew those numbers. One of the reasons why some people moved and are moving to northwest Arkansas is because the cost of living is lower. Sharga says this trend can be seen in other areas like Boise, Idaho. Although the cost of living is increasing as more people move to the region, Sharga says higher housing costs do not typically lead to more foreclosures unless a couple of things happen. Uh, one is that you have people stretching too far to buy properties that they really can't afford. 
Uh, and, and there's not as much of that as there was during the last boom and bust cycle in housing because lenders have gotten a lot more risk averse and are a bit more careful about putting people into homes they can't afford. The second part is if there is a downturn or if something happens to that household's income, a job loss, a divorce, uh, a death, uh, unexpected medical bills, something that that, uh, hadn't been anticipated or hadn't been budgeted for. Sharga says another thing that can put a damper on foreclosure rates is home equity. Because if borrowers find themselves in financial difficulties, they can find a way to refinance a loan or sell the property for profit. Sharga says the foreclosure trends in Arkansas are appearing positive, and historically, Arkansas has not been a foreclosure hotbed. The residents of the state seem to do a pretty good job, and the lenders in the state seem to do a pretty good job of kind of staying within their means and not putting themselves at extremely high risk of defaulting on their loans. And that that's a good thing. There's also a record amount of homeowner equity in, in the market today. I don't know the number in Arkansas specifically, but across the country, there's $29 trillion in homeowner equity. For Ozarks at Large and the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio One at the Carver Center for Public Radio, I'm Anna Pope. Talk Business and Politics reports Springdale-based Harps Food Stores will expand into central Louisiana and southwest Mississippi. The company announced it is purchasing seven stores known as The Markets, an independent chain founded in 1969 by the family that still owns the stores. A press release indicates the sale should be final by the end of the year. Harps was founded in 1930 in Springdale and is the largest employee-owned business based in Arkansas, with 135 stores in four states. The University of Arkansas Clinton School of Public Service in Little Rock is opening a new space with the goal of furthering racial healing. School officials yesterday dedicated newly refurbished office and classroom space in downtown Little Rock, including a new healing space as part of the school's Center on Community Philanthropy. Center Director Charlotte Williams says the goal is to create a safe space to have difficult conversations about racial divides in America. As a society, we got to do some things differently. You know, we're in a different place than where we were eight years ago, five years ago. We've seen some things that we cannot unsee, and we certainly could never forget it. So building out a place and designing the space for racial healing dialogue is exactly what this space is intended to do. Little Rock Mayor Frank Scott Jr. says the work done by the Clinton School helps the city to move on from its divided past while not forgetting the lessons from its history. Throwing away the past does not mean you forget it, does not mean you do not acknowledge and honor it. It gives you the ability to not allow it to hold you hostage. And we cannot allow our city to be held hostage with our past. We need to understand, acknowledge, and honor our past so we make for dang sure it never happens again. The Clinton School Center on Community Philanthropy recently became the first institution of higher education to offer a national racial healing certif- uh, certification program in partnership with the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. And the Branson, Missouri theme park, Silver Dollar City, has recently announced a $30 million investment in student employee housing adjacent to the park. The three-story dorm-like project will be on three acres and will house up to 300 seasonal workers participating in various student work programs. Officials with the theme park say this addition will enhance employee recruitment and retention benefits as well as provide parking, road, and infrastructure improvements. Support for KUAF comes from the Museum of Native American History, located at 202 Southwest O Street in Bentonville. The museum offers walk through 21,000 years of history with art from all over the Americas and has been voted in the top 10 history museums in the United States three years in a row. More available at monah.org. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming classic country rock group Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to the auditorium in Eureka Springs this Friday, October 28th. Band hits include Mr. Bojangles, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, House at Pooh Corner, and more. Tickets at tickets.thundertix.com. Ahead today, putting an hour of Northwest Arkansas in front of TV viewers Every day. People are there mostly just to brag about themselves. And we found that um, when they do that, 
it's easy to do, and the time goes by a lot faster than they think it does. A conversation with the producer and host of Good Day NWA about turning the cameras on every day and about the pace of life here. That's in about 20 minutes. This month, the latest incarnation of Ground Waves, a six-month hip-hop open mic and mentoring series, concluded at the Cash Space in downtown Springdale. Led by MERS, a recording artist for more than 25 years, Ground Waves allows young rappers and MCs a chance to learn from a professional, encourage each other, and perform for live audiences. This month, Jasper Logan, KUAF's community engagement manager, sat down with MERS and asked him about the Ground Waves series. Tell me... Where did that whole idea come from? Um, there was a great um, organization called the Music District in Fort Collins, Colorado. And they knew a friend of mine named Davis Powers. And Davis had kept trying to get me to check out the Music District. And I was like, eh, yeah, uh-huh. all right, Fort Collins. I love it. But yeah. Okay. And then I finally went there. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And he's like, okay, now that you've been there, they did an interview with me. Um, the gentleman from Flowbots. I can't recall his name now. He hope he forgives me. Um, they did a great interview with me. It was supposed to be for some PBS special that never came out. Yeah. But he got me there. And I was like, oh, this is an amazing facility. Yeah. And he was like, good. They need help getting the youth involved and getting mm-hmm. young people in there. And I said, oh, you need to have an open mic for sure. You know, these SoundCloud kids don't know what it's like to really, like, put out no music. They, they put out yeah. this, post that, and now they're a rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, they Where, didn't. Like, you mean, like, they don't know the, like, grind. The grind. Like, so, like, I came up in places like yeah. the Good Life Cafe, um, Project Blowed. I've been in New Eureka Poets Cafe, and I was familiar with Lyricist Lounge. Like, New York and L.A., like, these were the spots yeah. where MCs would go to test their metal, M-E-T-T-L-E. You know, and... You could get like in good life. You can get booed. You get please pass the mic. Yeah. And pss, did you ever get booed? I never even went up. You never. <laughs> I was fourteen years old. Oh, I was yeah, scared yeah. to death. <laughs> and it was packed. Yeah. I mean, I got up. You know, I rapped a couple of times like, on the week, like that weekend ciphers and stuff. Okay, but like okay. the the night, the Thursday night, I wasn't, wasn't ready. Old. I wasn't old. Like honestly, like, I would have. Yeah. By the time I was ready, it was they had moved to Project Blow. Mm. Um. So. I was just watching. Yeah. And, you know, like, I seen Fat Joe get booed. So I'm like, and I talk mm-hmm. about it, and there's a documentary on Netflix, people seeing that. But, you know, yeah. and that's somebody I have a lot of respect for. And I was like, okay, well, I don't want to go up yeah, there. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. Anybody gave me, and I, I want to create it. I was like, there needs to be a space in hip hop again where you fear that yeah. fear. Because you feel like you feel like hip hop has kind of lost that. Like, yeah, there's no reverence that. for it. Mm-hmm. There's no, um, the, the, the entrance hurdle is so low now yeah because we used also used to have to like save up our money for studio time imagine say, yeah. that yeah and then go in with a guy like usually some white dude with long hair yep. that didn't care for rap music yeah yeah, yeah at yeah. all yeah yeah that's a good take <laughs> all right facts i remember my first studio session like that where we was in uh me and my homeboys we saved up it was like this was apparently a studio in chicago michael jackson had recorded at a bunch of people it was like an english guy he owned it and uh, his name was Steven. And we saved up $150 each. <laughs> oh man. We saved up to get it to get the time to get the time in. And uh man, I don't even know if we ever got those songs back, bro. Like we we saved up and like it like it was an amazing feeling, like being in that space and like, you know what I mean, all that. But like we even then, like we didn't know the like ins and outs of like recording a song and then getting it mixed and then getting mastered and getting like getting it put out like now all that stuff is like super easy like you can do that from your phone but back like then like yeah, 15 20 old years guy. yeah, yeah man, i know back I, that's what i'm back saying in the I'm, 50s i'm in the, <laughs> in the 1900s i'm in the same boat man like we we yeah. had to do that growing you just up. you just dye your beard i know <laughs> i knew you were a gray hair yeah i dye it black every every uh every two weeks i got you <laughs> okay so now we're from the same era we're from the same era dinosaurs and whatnot yeah. Yeah, but that's 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 where I was like, okay, get these kids in a space, and I get them in a space where they can criticize each other. But I wanted to do something that the good life, you know, take it like evolve out yeah. of respect for it. Um, shout out to Arcane Blaze and B Hall. I always want to credit the people. Um, and when you criticize, you have to stand up mm-hmm. and be seen. Yeah. And. Because this is also the internet has also created the era of the troll. I was gonna that's that was gonna be my next question. How do you create an environment where like criticism is allowed, but it's also still positive? Yeah, you know like I mean? I'm like I don't want to hear that. Oh, I don't like that he was rapping about 
flowers. I hate flowers. Yeah. So what? How yeah. well did they rap about flowers? Mm-hmm. This is what it's about. If you don't like trap and someone comes up and does an excellent trap song, I'm not going to allow you to get away with that. Yeah. That's but true. if you think someone, what we experienced last night for the first time is there's too many rappers and not enough time. So and that's how I used to be at the good life. You sign the, you pay your money, you sign the list, but you might not get on. Mm. So if you sit through somebody whack, it could be your turn, you know. And that's why I put the names in the hat. So like, okay, yeah, do they, did they do that too? No, no. that's something I old. came up with okay. on my own. But or they may have, but not to my knowledge. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like okay, you sit through this whack performance mm. when that could be your time because you don't know when your name's getting yeah. called. So let's be honest here. We don't got time to sit through. We got, you know, JWP needs to go home. Yeah. So then that's the kind of vibe I want us to be like, okay, creating that intense environment, a quasi-competitive environment, but still creating community. So if you stand up and you criticize that person, now this person has the opportunity to meet with me the next day. So um, Jesse Elias, who you know, was able, I think it was his idea, or maybe it was Dave, somebody's idea that was like, the next day after the open mic, have a mentorship session. Mm. And I said, well, who wants to talk to me? And then I ended up <laughs> really? talking from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m., 9 p.m. Wow. every yeah, day to yeah, rapper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, oh. Wait, I- was Arkansas the first time you did that? Cause you- no, Colorado did that. Colorado, Colorado did that. So okay. I was like, oh, this is crazy. People want to talk to me. Yeah. And I'm like, all right. So then if you get, um, thank, we say thank you, come again. Yeah. If you get the thank you, come again chant, yeah. then you got to. You get to meet with me the next day if you want, and you also get a guaranteed slot next month to to show your improvement. Yeah. Um, so you can come in tomorrow. I'll give you priority on on the on the one on ones, and I you also get priority in performing next month because yeah. we want to encourage growth. Yeah. Um, and we want to see growth, not perfection. Like you don't have to leave as a whack MC and come back as Rock Him. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Tell me, there's this like. You have this like uh, this very like humble spirit to you, and this like passion to like I guess influence, influence, and just like be there for people that are up and coming. And I'm curious where that comes from because it's like it comes like you can tell that it's genuine. You know what I mean? Like it's not like it's not like you do these things you 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 tell these stories or you talk to uh folks or you like mentor people out of a place of like trying to get something like it comes from a place of like nah like i, I i'm just here and i want to help like where does where does that come from especially in the industry and how did you like after being in the industry so long like how did you not get jaded enough to be like nah i'm i'm going to still like give give out give Get back. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it makes sense. I want to. It's three parts, um, and one, you know, one you're involved in, and it's like, I don't know your personal situation, but I know that you're a father and you're a good father because I see your daughter, and I don't even <laughs> see you often, and I see your daughter. Yeah. You know, I see you once a month, six months out of the year, and yeah. I've seen your daughter three, four <laughs> times already. You know. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. True, yeah. You know. We as black men, and I like to say this every time the the stats are coming back, or we are the most involved parents. We yeah. went to the most attacked and apparently absent fathers, but that was according to old skewed statistics, I believe. But us growing up hearing that statistic, and also some of us like me not having good male role models, and you know, I had a whack stepfather, and my dad left when I was three. You know, so I never. So that is definitely part of it. I've had this desire to to be a strong leading man to be kind of what you didn't have Have. and the same thing goes for the industry Mm. nobody looked out for me coming up the people i looked up to you know yeah crapped on me and uh the mystic journeymen my my home my ogs were the first to take me in but they weren't even from la they were from the bay or one of them was from la but i met them in the bay Mm. and they took me in and it's kind of me evolving and paying that forward when they took me in and, and you know but they didn't we were all still kind of learning on the job, you yeah. know, like I don't say I got to their level quickly, but they pulled me up and we were going together, you mm-hmm. know, and kind of learning. Um, they didn't have a lot to teach me, you know, but they taught me. A, they taught me a lot. They didn't yeah. have a lot. As yeah, far as yeah, what yeah. I know now, this is the beginning of our journey. They quickly got me up to somewhat of their level. Mm-hmm. It's arguable if I ever reached their skill level, because I think they're great, great performers and they're probably one of my favorite rap groups of all time. But we started moving together. Yeah. And then from there, I just saw the lack of. You know, I always met one or two people that always helped me out a little bit. Mm. And 
I don't know, man. I just never wanted anyone to go through what I went through. You wow. know, like when some when people I looked up to in L.A. were like my girlfriend. My first girlfriend shared my music with some other rappers, and they're like, "Oh, he's dope." But that was it. But that was it. Yeah, like, and, uh, like threatened. Like you know this this yeah, idea of scarcity. Real, yeah. yeah. And then the final thing is like the humility, and you know, and I don't know what kind of show this is, but like, like my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, like. Yeah people always say like how do you walk around how do you stay home like i'm like yo like the son of god yeah, like that's real <laughs> he was just kicking it bro like yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, like yeah, yeah he had him and like 12 dudes that was feeling him yeah. you know what i mean yeah and other than that like that's who i've always tried to be like even when i wasn't i wouldn't consider myself a christian i don't know if i consider myself a christian now because i'm just trying to be like jesus like that's what i feel like we should because he was a good dude yeah. and he wasn't a christian so like yeah. I, you know, I don't know. That term gets weird to me, and especially now it comes with a lot of baggage, but definitely never denying him. And my inspiration, even like I said, when I didn't fully believe in the Bible and the way, the way religion is being used in the world, yeah, I knew that that was a dude I messed with heavy. Like, I like, you know, Buddha, you know, Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him. Yeah. Like, you know, like all that, but because I was brought up in a Baptist household, like Jesus has always been like, yeah. oh, that's that dude, bro. Yeah. And I, you know, I usually use expletives to describe it, but like I mess with him heavy. Yeah. <laughs> even when, like I said, even when I didn't believe in all the mysticism, like just the, I, even if you don't believe he's real, the idea of what he did and yeah. who he was and how he maintained. So who am I to be like, I can't help you or mm -hmm. I can't give you my knowledge because I'm blessed and it's a blessing to be a blessing. You talk about hip hop and uh, I think there was, I can't remember where this dis where I heard this discussion from, um, but they were talking about the uh, like the aging of like hip hop artists and how like you know we don't have that many like examples. Maybe we had this conversation. Maybe like we don't have that many examples of like successful aged hip hop artists. Like you know like compared to like rock or compared to like other genres you know where people are like 65 and still touring and still like you know going crazy do you see this like do you see ground waves as a way to like a successfully and healthfully age in hip-hop like the idea of like giving back and the idea of providing platforms and different stages for younger artists does that make sense yeah I mean, as a way for me to age gracefully. Yeah, yeah, or just like people in general, like yeah, I, hip hop artists in general. Yeah, I feel like it it will help in that um, yeah. as we go into the next era, um, for for the culture. It's going to look different than rock. You know, what I liked about the music district in Colorado is that there are people getting violin lessons and getting. And I was like, oh, finally, hip hop is ah. a, a way where we can kind of give hip hop lessons. It needs to be taught at this yeah. point. And, you know, Ninth Wonder, a lot of people are teaching in institutions. Like, I didn't go to college. I never go to college. went to college. Yeah. I never liked school. This, But this is a way that I can still teach. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if I teach, you, you know, teach. mentors, you know. You teach. teach. So, <laughs> I, and I think I teach in a traditional, more African way. Yeah. More, yeah. you know, the way that people of the equator would do it. Yeah. Close, you know, um, and I, I'm uncomfortable. I'm comfortable with that. So I hopefully, yeah, it will help people age better because if you know better, you do better and yeah. then you last longer. And also people will maybe do it not for money, you know, yeah, that's as real. as or, or not as their sole source of income mm -hmm. and just gig on the weekends. Because I, I feel what I'm teaching through hip hop. Hip hop is giving me confidence. Mm -hmm. And if I can tell you how to hold a mic and convey your ideas into music, that's still helping you with critical thinking 100%, and um, 100%, public speaking yeah. And confidence and just support. And in, what Groundways has turned into is community building. Yeah, We all are knowing each other. And we all, as I'm learning slowly, because this Arkansas is the first time we've been, thanks to, thanks to COVID, Colorado didn't get to go back in person. Mm. Colorado, Colorado, Arkansas is the first branch that's been two years in person. Oh, wow. And now I'm noticing, oh, everyone here doesn't like everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah. You know, I had, in one of our sessions today, I had to use the, the theme, like, you know, respect the other person. Like, the wolf and the bear both hunt, but you rarely see them fight. Yeah. Like, what's the point of, like, you dissing someone? Mm. Like, the bear doesn't diss the wolf. Yeah. And they drink at the same stream. And that's why I treat, treat ground waves as, like, a sort the water cooler, a source of water. Like, yeah. 
we can come at the watering hole. That doesn't mean I'm a bear. I have nothing to talk to the wolf about, but we both need water. We're both, yeah. you know, and we both need this community to blow, not to, yeah, I say to blow up or to grow this, yeah. this, this hip hop scene here. So let's do it, you know, and the floor, the forest will flourish around us. Yeah. Like there's nothing to be gained by the bears and, and, and the wolves fighting one another or the eagles. You know what I mean? Like there's yeah. all types of people at the top of the food chain. But when you guys start going at it, then it just what is that? and nobody eats. Murr speaking with KUAF's Jasper Logan earlier this month. Ground Waves 22, hosted by Cash, concluded this month in downtown Springdale. They also discuss how Murr set the record since broken, of rapping nonstop for 24 hours. We'll hear that part of their conversation on a future Ozarks at Large. Instead of skimming, scrolling, swiping, liking, commenting, hacking, texting, unmuting, replying, retweeting, and refreshing, you could just listen to All Things Considered from NPR every afternoon. All Things Considered, weekday afternoons from 3 to 6, right here on KUAF. Saturday morning, the American Heart Association will host its Northwest Arkansas Heart Walk in Rogers. It begins in the Unilever parking lot across from the AMP, opening ceremonies at 9.30, actual walk about 10. This year's event coincides, coincidentally, with World Stroke Day. Devin Dan, the executive director of the American Heart Association Northwest Arkansas, says heart health awareness and World Stroke Day do make sense together. They go hand in hand. Um, if you have the same risk factors for heart disease are very similar to those for stroke. So um, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, um, being overweight, all of those things can also be risk factors or are risk factors for stroke as well. What will we experience Saturday at the Heart Walk? Oh, it's going to be so much fun. Uh, we may have a, a little bit of rain, but we're hoping not. Um, but we are encouraging people to come out. It also falls on Halloween weekend, so family-friendly costumes are encouraged. We'll have a, a full kids zone for the kids to be able to get face painting and tattoos. Um, there's things that they can color and sidewalk chalk and tons of other things for the kids to do. So we want you to bring your kids out. Um, we'll also have a lot of our vendors there that will be passing out some of their product. The walk is not uh, too long. It's a little under two miles. So um, we're just excited to have everybody come out and, and be back together. A little under two miles. That's not a bad distance to go for every day if you want to make your heart a little bit healthier. That's right. It's it's good. Um, we encourage just small changes for people to make in their daily lives and just being more active, you know, parking a little bit further away um, in the Walmart parking lot or wherever you're at um, to take a few more steps, you know, getting up throughout the day, take a 15-minute break and just walk around your building that you work at or just little things like that. Adding one fruit or one vegetable if you're not eating fruits and vegetables. You know, I think I'd be amiss if I didn't review some of the signs and symptoms of stroke. Please. With it being World Stroke Day. So it can easily be remembered by an acronym called FAST. So if you see someone who has face drooping, um, if they have arm weakness, if they have speech difficulty, then you know it's time to call 911. And this actually just recently happened to me where we were on vacation this summer and my mother-in-law actually had a small mini stroke and she exhibited every one of these signs and so we immediately called 911 and got help on the way but if you see any of those signs or if you experience them yourselves don't dismiss it yeah that's what i was going to ask because i always see you know the refrigerator magnets or something that say fast that say if you see someone but you couldn't recognize these in yourself or is it harder to recognize them in yourself I think it would be possible to notice something's not right, and you should always follow your instinct. Um, but if someone's having a stroke, they don't have the judgment at that mm. point in time to make the decision of whether or not to call 911. And I think that's where we, um, as friends, loved ones, should step in and say, we're going to call 911 because they don't have the judgment and the ability to make that decision. It's an acronym FAST, but it also hints at how much better recovery can be if you act quickly. Absolutely. So we actually have some survivors who had full strokes who they called 911, followed protocol, and were able to get to the hospital in time for treatments where those symptoms were completely reversed. So there's a lot of hope. There's a lot that can be prevented as well as far as stroke and heart disease, but getting help immediately will give you better outcomes in the long run. You mentioned exercise. You mentioned eating fruits and vegetables. Those seem, at least when we hear them, easy. Anything else we should do? Yeah, I think you should know your numbers. You should get a mm. checkup with your doctor annually. And if 
if you have high blood pressure, you should take your medicine, medicine the way it's prescribed. Um, try to keep those numbers in control, whether it's high blood pressure or cholesterol or um, diabetes. All of those things can be risk factors. Strokes can happen to anyone. You don't have to be anyone, 55 or older. Anyone, any age. You know, I talk about prevention, but some strokes happen in utero even. Oh um, so this is something that can happen at any age. All right. So again, the walk is in the Unilever uh, parking lot. Correct. Across from the AMP. Yes. It's 5078 Northgate Road in Rogers. So 5078 Northgate Road. It's Halloween weekend. I'm going to throw you a curveball here to end this conversation. Okay. Is there a hallow- is there a go-to Halloween uniform for someone who works for the American Heart Association? <laughs> you know what? It's funny because um, I, I have bribed my kids to come out in their costumes, and they are going to be um, these big T-Rexes with heart hero capes. So ah. I'm super excited about them doing that. I think it'll be super fun. So bring your costume. Make it family-friendly um, to come out and have a great time. Thank you so much. No, thank you. Devin Dan is the executive director of the American Heart Association, Northwest Arkansas. She was in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio this morning. The annual Northwest Arkansas Heart Walk Saturday in Rogers, beginning in the Unilever parking lot across from the Arkansas Music Pavilion. This is Ozarks at Large, Dr. Sharif Elnahal, the new Undersecretary for Health at the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs, hosted a virtual roundtable with reporters last week to discuss his priorities. Ozarks at Large's Jacqueline Froelich reports. Nominated by President Joe Biden and confirmed by the Senate last July, Dr. Sharif El-Nahal previously served as president and CEO of University Hospital in Newark, New Jersey. Before that, as health commissioner for the state of New Jersey, he focused on improving maternal health outcomes, reducing health disparities, and expanding that state's health information network. And as former Assistant Deputy Undersecretary for Health at the VA, he oversaw national policies and quality of care for the Veterans Health Administration. He told reporters that his first priority at his new post is VA staffing. Our need to hire faster and more competitively. Uh, We were granted uh, in the last year or so significant authorities between the RAISE Act and the PACT Act to uh, be that much more of an attractive place to work for healthcare workers across the country. The RAISE, or Retention and Income Security Enhancement Act, implemented in May, is designed to help VAs across the country cope with chronic staffing shortages and rising veteran enrollment. In line with my higher, faster, and more competitive priority, we are having a national onboarding surge event on the week of November 14th. That will culminate in a day when all of our HR professionals will gather with our facility leaders and our network leadership in every business in the country to advance the onboarding of the highest priority folks that have already been selected for the positions. That work will start days before that final event and will be an all-hands-on-deck effort. Elnahal says over 50,000 hires are required in response to annual attrition. So we really look forward to that event uh, because it will be, uh, in addition to providing something very tangible to our facilities, a national signal that we take this priority very seriously uh, and uh, to communicate to as many people as possible and to veterans that we are a a very attractive place to work for clinicians and we uh, intend to absorb uh, as many of them as possible into our system. Elnahal also aims to improve access to care for all veterans. If we orient our operation in a manner that equips our frontline employees and the employees who answer the phone when veterans call to help coordinate their care, with all of the options available to that veteran, inclusive of in-person appointments in those facilities, in-person appointments within the network at perhaps other VA facilities, telehealth appointments, in those facilities and within the network and across the country, but also community care appointments that the veteran qualifies for if they do under the criteria under the Mission Act. 
Launched in June of 2019, the Mission Act allows veterans, in collaboration with their local VA providers, to arrange for medical care outside their VA from local community medical clinics and centers. That includes veterans requiring services not available at their VA hospitals and clinics. I approach this with no agenda other than getting veterans their soonest and best care option, wherever that may be, as long as we are authorized to provide it. On August 10th, President Joe Biden signed the PACT Act, a groundbreaking law that will expand VA health care and benefits to veterans exposed to toxic substances. We have the chance to answer the call for advocacy that's been happening for years now on better serving veterans with environmental exposures related to their deployments. And in the health system side, that involves not only implementing the hiring authorities associated with the PACT Act, which I already mentioned, uh, but preparing our delivery system into the future to be able to absorb that demand and make sure that access to care for our existing veterans and the veterans who will rely on us more and the veterans who will be new to the system as a result of the PACT Act. The PACT Act was promulgated after pressure was applied by veterans exposed to military burn pits, now understood to be toxic waste disposal sites, Also included are Vietnam veterans exposed to Agent Orange, a tactical herbicide, and veterans exposed to radiation from nuclear test site cleanup and nuclear bomb transport contamination. The PACT Act offers a decade of free health care to affected veterans. Elna Hall says system-wide toxic screenings are underway. To all veterans currently enrolled for health care, we are on time to implementing that system-wide as of November 8th. We are on track to doing that. Uh, And we had a very successful pilot where over 13,000 veterans were screened uh, with a very high hit rate of veterans who expressed concern about a possible environmental exposure, about 38% of the veterans screened. So the potential for us to uh, enhance the benefits of uh, veterans already in our system, uh, that crosswalk directly with VBA uh, to see if they can qualify for even more, uh, will be absolutely essential. Al Nahal also cited ongoing efforts at the VA to build a, quote, zero harm, zero defect culture to bolster internal accountability. This is a diligent effort now that is years in the making. Uh, my commitment is to resource it better and accelerate those efforts because uh, where you see isolated instances of quality and patient safety issues, Having that safety culture is the first step in leading to the necessary improvements and for us to be aware in BHA as soon as possible what those safety vulnerabilities are so that we can fix it as soon as possible. The initiative in part was triggered by the discovery of a pathologist at Veterans Healthcare System of the Ozarks in Fayetteville who had worked for 13 years impaired by alcohol abuse, finally caught in 2018, tried, and now is in prison. The VA Office of Inspector General investigating the pathology's caseload identified 3,000 errors and 589 major diagnostic discrepancies, which resulted in tragedy and death. OIG officials cited a dearth of accountability at the Fayetteville VA to be culprit. Elnahal also told reporters he's pressing to update the VA's health records system. We need to... Uh, introduce a modern electronic health record to better facilitate veteran care into the future, and in particular, create that longitudinal health care record available to all of our clinicians from the time that veterans enroll into service uh, through their last days under our care. And I think that ambition is really important to drive toward, and it's something our veterans deserve. Another priority is amending the VA Caregiver Support Program, which provides help to veteran caregivers, families, and survivors. After many enrollees face losing caregiver benefits at the end of this year. A lot of exciting uh, recent developments. We now have every uh, service era of veterans uh, and caregivers who qualify for the program as of October 1st. We also released an interim final rule uh, in September that extended the uh, legacy participants in terms of their qualification for the program as we work out 
the next round of eligibility changes to the program to open the aperture as much as possible to veterans and family caregivers across the country. We've heard that loud and clear from advocates for some time. As of October 11th, the VA received more than 10,000 unique caregiver program applications, revealing a five-fold increase over the same time period last year. Elna Hall discussed the VA's response to veterans' homelessness as well, coordinating with public federal agencies to better accommodate the more than 40,000 currently homeless veterans, according to VA data, and addressing food insecurity. And then finally, uh, last but certainly not least, our top clinical priority, which is preventing veteran suicide. Um, We know that uh, this has been the top clinical priority for this organization for years. Uh, I'm not only going to not change that, I'm going to uh, accelerate those efforts even more as much as I can from my perch uh, to assist uh, our excellent suicide prevention team and mental health teams working from the spectrum of emergency and crisis response to include our Veterans Crisis Line, 988 Press 1, but also mental health care access, uh, both urgent access and uh, longitudinal access to that care for veterans who need it, uh, and upstream community-based prevention. The VA recently reported progress on that front, showing a decrease in veteran suicide for two years in a row. Suicide, however, remains a second leading cause of death for veterans age 18 to 44. Elna Hall also cited the VA's whole health program originating in VHA's Office of Patient-Centered Care and Cultural Transformation. Whole health practices are being instituted at VAs across the country, including the Fayetteville VA, to help veterans holistically take charge of their health and well-being. And two months after the U.S. Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade, the U.S. Department of Veterans Affairs announced an interim final rule to make available emergency abortions to all veterans in states where abortion is now outlawed, including Arkansas. Elna Hall issued a statement that the decision was the result of veterans and VA health care providers across the country sounding the alarm that abortion bans and restrictions are causing a medical emergency. The motivation for us to issue the interim final rule that allowed for not only abortion counseling, but abortion services in the cases where the life or health of the mother was at risk if they were to not receive an abortion, or in cases of rape or incest, was around the safety and well-being of pregnant veterans. That is what we are solving for with this interim final rule. Elna Hall says the ruling ensures that VA clinicians are able to speak openly and transparently with veterans about abortion services. We are working diligently to implement this option across the country. Uh, The spectrum of services include everything from medication abortion in earlier stages of pregnancy to abortions that require procedures. And we are taking a holistic effort to ensure that we comply with FDA requirements surrounding the medications. We've engaged our pharmacy benefits management office to uh, connect with the FDA and ensure those regulatory processes are going through. Um, And at the same time, we are undertaking a diligent effort to train clinicians, uh, issue uh, policies, clinical practice guidelines, and ensure that our community care network contracts are ultimately updated for us to be able to pay for these services in the community. That is a top-to-bottom effort that will require time, and we're ensuring that uh, as far and wide in the system as possible, these services will be available to veterans if they need it. Dr. Sharif Elnahal holds an MD from Harvard Medical School and an MBA with distinction from Harvard Business School. For Ozarks at Large, I'm Jacqueline Froelich. Any story you hear on Ozarks can be shared easily. There are links at ozarksatlarge.com that allow you to send stories and interviews through social media, text, or email. The Eureka Springs 75th Annual Original Folk Festival takes place November 10th through the 12th. The weekend will include a three-day folk fair with free music, the Barefoot Ball, and three days of headliners at the Auditorium. More information and tickets at theaud.org. 
When caring for a seriously ill loved one, the journey shouldn't be taken alone. Circle of Life Hospice can help. Services are covered by Medicare, Medicaid, and private insurance. No one is turned away based on an inability to pay. 750-6632 or nwacircleoflife.com for information. This is Ozarks at Large. There's the old line about Ginger Rogers doing everything Fred Astaire did, but backward and in heels. That feels sort of like our friends at Good Day NWA on KNWA-TV. Like us, they cover the region daily, but with cameras. That's right. Recently, the 11 a.m. show expanded from 30 minutes to 60 minutes daily. We asked Jacqueline House, producer and co-host, and Jason Sewell, co-host, to come to our place to talk about their work. The need to go to an hour is just based on there are so many things happening in Northwest Arkansas. And now that, you know, we kind of have a our, a grasp around the pandemic, you know, we, you know, we're welcoming people back in studio and people are having more events and they're also hosting them in person. And so that really allows for us to do a lot of outreach um, for people to come on the show. So it's been challenging, but also um, I would say maybe challenging in a good way, because sometimes we find ourselves in a space like, man, I forgot that was going on and we didn't get a chance to interview them. But then we also have a full show to where we're like, okay, great. There's some other things going on. But I feel like a lot of times it's like, oh, man, we forgot about this event. This major thing so much happening. happening. Yeah. Believe me, I'm so happy to hear that you go through that, too, because I know that feeling. And does it ever do you ever feel pressure like, oh, I sort of a professional version of FOMO that you yeah, missed oh, yeah. out? Yeah, I think absolutely, because there's so many events now, you know, even more so than when we started it, um, which was only, you know, a few years ago, but even more so, there's more events now. We always want to obviously shine a spotlight on what we can. So, you know, this allows us to do that even more, allows us to double up. It also allows us to spend a little more time with some guests because previously we had a very short time frame and it was like, here are the questions, boom, 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 and then, you know, see you later. And now it's, we have a little bit of time to breathe and kind of have a more organic conversation with people and get to the heart of why they do what they do, especially these nonprofits around the area. Here's something, as someone who produces an hour-long show about events happening, that I tend to struggle with is it's never – you're never done. You know, you can be very happy with the show that you did on Tuesday. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then you're thinking, uh-oh, someone just canceled oh, yeah. for tomorrow. Yeah. Yes. We had that happen last night. <laughs> yeah. For today. It happens all – it did. Yeah. So, I mean – and the good thing about that is – I feel like we're in a good groove and kind of know from a content standpoint what we can quickly fill in. If it's a situation like where we're down one interview, we're like, okay, that's easy. We can we can take care of that. Now, if we're down like two to three interviews, that gets a little sticky. Um, But I think we're at a good point now. where we're like, okay, we're down one interview either. Jason and I are talking for a full segment, which right. we totally have done. Yeah, oh yeah. Or like Jason said, we can ask a guest like, hey, you know, do you have enough content to where we can maybe split you in two? And I think that there's too something to say about like that listeners might not know, but we're really aware of if you stretch something out for too long, it becomes almost unwatchable, right? It's very noticeable, like, wow, they're really stretching this out. So we have to be careful with the content and kind of walk a fine line of, okay, yeah, that that was good and that felt good and healthy and now we need to move on even though we had planned to be with these people longer. Or sometimes it's like, well, we thought they were going to have five minutes worth of stuff to say, but they were done at two and a half minutes, so we need to move on now, right? So even yeah. on the day, it's kind of like we we uh, we fit the puzzle together. I think you guys just, like, you start, and then you go for 60 minutes, and then you end. So it's kind of um, not at the mercy of real time, but right. you've got so much to do yeah. that there's not a big margin of error. Right. We have a window of time. We do have a window of time. And little trade secret, it's not technically 60 minutes of content. We're on for an hour, but we don't have to produce 60 minutes of content. Thank goodness. Uh, but still, it's double the content than what we were producing before when we first started. Um, so that's just a little trade Yeah, we there. had, you know, commercial breaks and everything, right. obviously. Sure. Built right, in. which comes out to an hour. But yeah, I mean, it, and I would say that it going from half hour to an hour has more than doubled our workload, I feel like. Yeah. <laughs> um, like It seems like maybe, you know, you're just doubling up, but really it's more than that. When do you arrive at the studio? Now I'm getting to the studio between 3.30 and 4. That's a.m. 
a.m. And I get there at about 5.45 before 6 o'clock. Do you get enough sleep? Because mm, anybody? Yeah, well, that's yeah, a good that's point. Because you're both, I see you hosting things and emceeing things. I'm a big napper in okay. the afternoon. I do nap. Um Sometimes, but also, you know, this time of year it's hard because there's Christmas movies to watch. <laughs> there's also kids, like, it's, it, it is difficult to find the time sometimes to relax because kids' activities, you right. know, I'm at the ball field or the basketball court, you know, a few nights a week and all that. So, you know, but I, yes, does anybody get enough sleep? Right. I mean, I try to find my pockets of of rest time. So I've got like a nice little window probably between three and five where I can take my nap. You've got such a great rapport on air together. Did that develop? Just on air, though. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. (laughs) But has that been a discovery process, too, as you've gone from 30 to 60 minutes, how you work together? Yeah, we're still figuring that out, too. But I think even from the start, it was like, I mean, we didn't really know each other Mm -hmm. before we started the show together. So figuring that out, figuring the footprint of our on-air personalities, kind of like what we are, but we're really just ourselves on TV. So it's just kind of worked well, and we love it. And I think we're both united in, like, the things that we love. So, like, we love the community. Mm -hmm. We love showcasing all that. We love to know why you're doing what you're doing. And I think that really shows that genuineness. Like, we really are genuinely excited for you and excited to know more about your story. So I think that helps. I think people would just be surprised, I think, of how quickly things go when they get in there. A lot of times guests are like, oh, you know, how much time do we have in an interview? And we'll say, oh, like four minutes. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm so nervous. I don't know if I have, you know, four minutes of stuff to say. And we're like, trust us, it will go by so fast. And so many people will tell us after the interview, man, they went by very quick. And we were like, yes, it does go by. And we like to tell people when they're coming on to kind of relieve their nerves is that you're here to brag about you and the things that you're doing in the community. So, you know, we don't do like crazy surprise off the wall questions yeah. sometimes we do but people are there mostly just to brag about themselves and we found that um when they do that it's easy to do and the time goes by a lot faster than they think it does yeah we also try to make it fun and not you know all locked into you're on tv right. now go it's more conversational which is a little bit different than newscasts maybe yeah because um, we're just chatting with them about stuff that they love and the cameras just happen to be also in the room at the same time Good Day NWA airs every weekday at 11 a.m. on KNWA. Jacqueline House and Jason Sewell visited the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio this week. On the latest episode of Undisciplined, the importance of keeping the history of a nation with that nation. I understand some of the concerns that some of the uh, museum curators in England and Germany, France, etc., are making. But that's not really their place to make those things. Guest Verlin Stone talks about recovering historical records from Liberia and taking care of them and eventually returning them. Listen for free on KUAF.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Tomorrow on Ozarks, a common respiratory virus is sickening a growing number of Arkansans, especially youngsters. Our ER has been extremely busy. And, you know, we're here for all kids. We will see all kids. But we've been extremely busy because of RSV. That's on tomorrow's show at noon, 7 p.m., and available on the Ozarks at Large podcast. Ozarks at Large is underwritten, in part, by the Walton Family Charitable Support Foundation. KUAF is supported by Little Wing Productions, welcoming classic country rock group Nitty Gritty Dirt Band to the auditorium in Eureka Springs this Friday, October 28th. Band hits include Mr. Bojangles, Will the Circle Be Unbroken, House at Pooh Corner, and more. Tickets at tickets.thundertix.com. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Spy Rock. Contributors today included Anna Pope, Jasper Logan, and Jacqueline Froelich. Kristen Kite provided production assistance on today's program. Matthew produced the show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Pete Hartman is our operations director at KUAF, as well as the host and producer of the Community Spotlight every weekday morning at 6.30 and 8.30, right here on KUAF. From the Carver Center for Public Radio in downtown Fayetteville, I'm Kyle Kellums. And I'm Matthew Moore. Thanks so much for listening, and be well.